As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sports drink. Spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. (laughs) What's up, guys? We are finally here. It is the official week one preview episode We are just uh, four days away, or for when you guys are hearing it, three days away. Sunday the 11th, Bears, Niners, Soldier Field kicking this thing off, and we officially begin to be able to answer the question. You'll hear me and my guests talk about it quite a bit, especially in the beginning. Are we the third worst team in the NFL? Do we belong down there with the power? Because the power rankings... Uh, came out the Bears were 30th ahead of like like the Seahawks and uh, I forget who else it was I just know but that we were below teams like the Jets and the Jaguars and uh, you know other other teams that I think the Bears are going to beat this year like the Falcons and you know and things like that and I just um, I don't know I I need this season to start so I can either uh, you know uh, start uh, showing the receipts of all these national talking heads talking about how the Bears are just going to be a pitiful example of a football team uh, this year, or if we can just shove it right back in their in their faces uh, and you know just you know show some respect and you know put some respect on our name. We're not the thirtieth you know best football team, or to put it more succinctly, the third worst. Uh, team in this uh, in this league so I cannot wait for this thing uh, to get started and um, you know trying to kind of go back to an old school format uh, for this one this is an all-in-one deal uh, for our preview here today Uh, it is uh, news and notes we got uh, our our guest interview. We have Robert Morrison from Fansided's Niner Noise uh, joining us to preview the football game, and then to close things out, we have keys to the game. So this is your your deep dive preview. This is your guest interview, and all that kind of stuff, all wrapped into one. And then tomorrow's episode will be our very first Week One NFL preview. So we'll talk about all of the other games. Well, I mean, we'll also talk about this one just a little bit, but we'll talk about all 16 games uh, on the schedule, including the Thursday nighter, which will most, more, more than likely be uh, taking place while I'm previewing uh, the game uh, and what have you, and uh, to get you ready for the full slate and uh, for ready for week one, man. I am pumped. I'm, I'm ready to see what this thing, what this team can do. Uh, in real action to see if we can build upon the promise that was uh, the preseason and how sharp we looked on offense 
uh, at times. At the very least, we didn't look incompetent, which is something that was constantly apparent uh, with uh, Nagy and and such uh, calling plays and putting together our football team. So uh, those guys are gone. We're on to the next, and hopefully, uh, at the very least, we'll have a competitive football team uh, that is in it from start to finish and, you know, from time to time. It's going to steal some wins and surprise some people. I think that that'd be a nice goal to have is that uh, when the season is over, we want to have surprised people, whether that means a playoff berth or nine and eight, eight and nine, uh, and a few ball bounces that, you know, we could have been 11 and six, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I'd be much rather having a conversation like that at the end of the season uh, than talking, than even entertaining the conversation that, you know, three and 14, you know, maybe Eberflus isn't the guy. Maybe we, you know, should cut bait and look for somebody else kind of thing. So anyway, we got a lot to get into. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. This is the week one preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Goodness gracious kitties. Week one in the NFL kicks off tonight with the Bills and the Rams, and then 72 hours after that, our beloved Chicago Bears take the field for the first time under Matt Eberflus in the Ryan Poles era against the San Francisco 49ers, who were just a shade away from a Super Bowl berth uh, last season. You know, came down to the wire with their arch rival uh, L.A. Rams and came up just short. And, um, you know, they're expected to kind of build on that, but they might take a little bit of a step back with that brand-new quarterback in Trey Lance uh, taking over for Jimmy Garoppolo. Still on the team. My guest and I will talk about that here in just a few moments. But before we get to that, we've got news and notes. I'll keep this short and sweet uh, for you guys. The The headline for the day today, our beloved Chicago Bears have named their four permanent captains uh, for 2022. This is a trend that uh, disappeared uh, under uh, Matt Nagy. It was also something that... Uh, Tressman did for the two years that he ran the insane asylum that is uh, the Chicago Bears. I believe John Fox did bring back captains for the three years that he was at the uh, helm. And then, you know, Nagy just decided that week after week, we're going to play musical chairs with our captains, which is a great way to not establish leaders uh, within your football team. Uh, Matty Bufloos is kind of doing a mixture of the two, if you will. But... We're going to have four permanent captains week in and week out and then a rotating captain. So we'll have five captains for every game and a guy will rotate in uh, with our four captains who are uh, Justin Fields was elected uh, captain, Cody Whitehair. uh, Also, um, one of our longer tenured Bears, especially after um, polls got done carving up the uh, roster that Ryan Pace left behind. And on the defensive side, Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. Those are your four uh, permanent captains. I haven't heard who our honorary captain will be uh, this weekend against the 49ers. Maybe that'll be announced either to, you know, today on Friday or uh, Thursday, excuse me, today on Thursday or uh, you know, as we get closer to the game. So, But those are our four uh, permanent captains. And you know, it's, it's just another one of those, those little things that Iberflu seems to be on top of that, uh, you know, having naming captains is important, you know, having leaders, having established leaders. Basically, this is who I mean, these guys were elected captains. So these guys were chosen by their peers. 
to be the leaders of this football team. Makes all the sense in the world that Justin Fields is one of those guys. Makes all the sense in the world that Robert Quinn is one of those guys, you know. And uh, you know, it not 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 very much not very surprised to see Cody Whitehair. He, I, like I said, I think he is one of the longest tenured Bears uh, that we have uh, on the football team right now. And of course, Roquan Smith, um, you know, being the being the leader on on the defensive side uh, as well. So. Um, you know, I think this is a good thing. It, it, I think it promotes kind of like stability. You know who the, your leaders are as a player. You know who you turn to, uh, you know, in those types of uh, situations who you look to for for guidance, that little extra oomph, you know, the coaches on the field, uh, if you will. So it's uh, I think this is a good thing. Um, and, um, you know, there it is with Matt Eberflus and company just continuing to make sense when, you know, all I did on this podcast for basically four years while Nagy was running the show was belly ache and complain about how what he's doing just doesn't make sense. Make it make sense to me, Nagy. And over and over again, we were all left scratching our heads. So anyway, first injury report of the season came out today uh, on Wednesday, and uh, there are only two names on it, which was a, a nice uh, thing to see uh, considering how banged up the Bears were in uh, during training camp and in the preseason uh, and such. Uh, Bayless Jones did not practice today. He's nursing a hamstring injury. I did hear that he was riding the bike on, on the sidelines, not participating uh, in practice. And uh, rookie defensive end Dominique Robinson was limited with the knee injury. I think he suffered that against the Browns uh, in the final preseason game. So um, limited so far. Hopefully, uh, you know, th- you know, Thursday and into Friday, we'll hear things like limited on Thursday, full go Friday, and you know, off to the races on Sunday for Valus uh, Jones and uh, Dominique Robinson would be a good, you know, experience uh, opportunity for him if he was healthy and ready to go for the game on Sunday. But you know, the guys that have been on the injury list all of preseason: Byron Pringle, uh, Lucas Patrick. Not on that list. They're full go and they're in practice, which means we're going to see those guys play against the 49ers uh, on Sunday. Also, the Bears released their first uh, official slash unofficial depth chart uh, of 2022 and our starting offensive line going into this game against the 49ers from left to right. Braxton, Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum with Alex Leatherwood listed as a backup right tackle and Riley Reef. Lifted a, listed as our backup left tackle. So we don't have a swing tackle. We got veterans and, you know, uh, talented guys coming off of the uh, off the bench. So be very interesting to see uh, how we work that uh, this season. Um, a little bit of good news on the injury front for the Bears. Uh, George Kittle, the all-star tight end for the 49ers, might. Now maybe I'm jinxing it by bringing it up, but he might miss the game with a groin injury that he's been nursing. Um, you know, of course, Kittle is from the Chicagoland area, went to the University of Iowa, was a big Bears fan uh, growing up. So maybe he could give the hometown team a little bit of love. But you know what? Maybe I'll save it for week two. So knock on wood that uh, we won't have to deal with uh, with George Kittle uh, out there uh, on Sunday. So, uh, And then finally, the other big news uh, this week, the Bears announced plans uh, announced their plans for the Arlington Heights property if and when the 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 land deal closes and they can start making things uh, official. No, 
no drawings or renderings of the stadium itself, but it was said to be, and I quote, a best-in-class enclosed stadium. So I don't know if I don't know if that means dome or like something that I would prefer, like uh, Lucas Oil uh, in Indianapolis, where the dome is or the roof is retractable. I think that would be cool to uh, to have that option to be able to open up the roof. Oh, it's raining outside. We'll close the uh, we'll close the roof up or anything like that, and uh, and what have you. I think that would be uh, preferable to me. You know, it's like I as much as I would love to see the Bears, you know, be an outdoor or to stay an outdoor team and all that kind of stuff. It's just I don't think it really I'm not really so attached to the idea that I'm against them playing uh, in a dome or or an enclosed stadium or a tractable roof or uh, or whatever. It's like I'm not married to the idea that it has to be traditional in the elements uh, football, you know, I I would like for it to stay that way, but I don't. I don't mind at all that it's a uh, that it could be an enclosed stadium or a dome or, or or whatever you want to call it. I just think it's a you know a step into the you know the future is basically uh, you know what it is with the way with the artificial surfaces and and things like that. It's like you're seeing fewer and fewer. Like you don't see those games uh, anymore where people are you, you can't read the numbers on the jerseys. Guys are covered head to toe. Uh, in mud and, and all that kind of stuff with the artificial services and with the way that they can tear up the field and resod it and uh, things like that. You just don't see those kinds of uh, games anymore. It's like the last one that I can even think of was, I think, 06, 07. It might have even been sooner than that. Uh, it was a Monday night game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Miami Dolphins. And, and the, the moment that, that that comes to mind when anybody thinks about that game is when the punter punted the football and it stuck in the ground when when the ball, you know, was was kicked. You know, the tight spiral, pointed nose down, stuck right in the ground. Didn't bounce, roll around, it stuck right in the ground. That's how jacked up uh, the field was. That's the last time I can think of of like a quagmire type football game. And I think that's when, when the dolphins were still, still sharing uh, the stadium with the Marlins and it might've still been baseball uh, season or something uh, like that. But you just don't see that anymore. You know, there are no NFL teams sharing uh, stadiums with, with baseball teams. Now that the Raiders have moved to uh, Las Vegas, I think they were the last one sharing a stadium with a baseball team. So there's no opportunity for the rain to turn the infield into a big you know pile of mud uh, and everything. So, for all intents and purposes, and for a, in a lot of ways, the NFL is kind of taking weather out of the equation. Like, yeah, you still have your your cold weather games, and and once in a while you'll get one of those real snowy days, or even like last year, Buffalo and and New England playing in that wind tunnel football game uh, on Monday Night Football. But for the most part, they were playing on a you know on an artificial field. Uh, and everything, so it wasn't you know the slippery surface or the grass coming out from under them, and everything. It's just not something you see too much uh, in the NFL. For better, or for worse, you just don't see it uh, anymore. So it doesn't really bother me so much that the Bears are going to take the elements out of it because you know we've talked about this before. Um, uh, it's like when was the last time bear weather was a thing? So I just don't, uh, I just don't see it as something that. You know, I'm so attached to that I don't want to let it go. I want my team to play in the best possible stadium uh, possible and for the fans, us, to be able to enjoy 
uh, that experience. And, you know, the team, the fan base, we all deserve to, you know, to attend football games in the best facility in the NFL. We're the third largest uh, market uh, in the league. We have one of the most passionate and supportive fan bases, no matter what. Um, and, uh, you know, we have the stadium with the, the smallest capacity in the entire league, which means that even when we sell out, we, we're, not putting any, we're not putting more butts in the seats than the Jaguars or, you know, anybody else are. You know, like we deserve a facility like this, and I'm all in, all in favor of it, you know. So, anyway, that's all I got for uh, news and notes. Let's go ahead and, and bring in our guest, Robert Morrison from Fansided's Niner Noise to help us preview Bears Niners week one. Can't wait. Let's get to it. Well, folks, we finally made it. Week one is finally upon us. We can start talking about real football games after all the speculations and what ifs and so on and so forth. We can finally start to begin the answer to the question. And up first for our beloved Chicago Bears this Sunday at Soldier Field, the San Francisco 49ers. And here to help us preview our first matchup of 2022 from Niner Noise on Fansided.com. It's Robert Morrison. Robert, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk about, as you said, real football. Amen. <laughs> it seems like it's been a while. So, Amen to that. I mean, it, it's just, uh, I mean, we were just talking before we got started. It's like, I can't wait for the games to get started. So we as Bear fans can finally start to answer the questions of like, are we rooting for the third worst team in the NFL? Or are they actually going to be better than that? Maybe middle of the road at the very least top of the bottom third something you know it's like I don't think we have a team that's drafting in the top three uh in, you know next April or, or May or whenever the next draft is going to uh be and you know you guys can finally answer the question is Trey Lance for real I mean I saw a report yesterday somebody's predicting like oh yeah week seven Jimmy G's gonna be the starter for the 49ers uh you know it's like okay well I guess <laughs> Kyle yeah. Shanahan's gonna be pulling the trigger soon on Trey Lance from the sounds of that yeah, that was uh, Peter King. Of, it uh, was. You're right. Formerly of uh, of Sports Illustrated, um, Monday Morning Quarterback, all that sh- all that junk. Um, I, that would be the most surprising thing uh, to happen, um, simply because it would mean that Kyle Shanahan would have to have admitted his admitted defeat after six or six or seven games. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if you know anything about Kyle Shanahan, you know that admitting defeat is not something that he's very um happy to do he's uh, kind of a stubborn fella so right. <laughs> giving up on the on the first quarterback that he got to hand pick in his entire coaching career after six games uh or seven games or whatever it amounts to would would be like the biggest shock you know barring injury um i, I would be really surprised if that actually happens the funniest part about that whole thing though i don't know if you continue to read is that peter king then has garoppolo saving the season and the 49ers <laughs> still getting the playoffs so wow i guess it could happen because we were three and five last year after eight games and still went to the nfc championship game but come on now yeah <laughs> like two years in a row i mean Thank you, Garoppolo, for all that you've done over the last four years. But I, I don't see that happening again. Like that would be highly unlikely. Well, I mean, especially and, since your schedule kind of sets you up to get off to a fast start. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we you got know, the, the Chicago the, game in week one and then home for Seattle in week two. Um, and a couple Denver, of back-to-back games. Yeah, yeah at Denver, then, home for the Rams. That's your first mm-hmm. questionable. Like we, I mean, you guys have had L.A.'s number the last few years, except for, the, obviously, unfortunately, the <laughs> yeah. NFC Championship game. But you swept them last year, and that, that second game got you in. Uh, right. to the playoffs and should have probably had the NFC championship game. And it was actually th- six in a row up to that NFC championship game, right. unfortunately. So, but um, it's like after the Rams, you got Carolina, you got the Falcons and then uh-huh. the chiefs and then the Rams and the Chargers. So there's a tough stretch right there in, in the month of October, Kansas yeah. city, the Rams, and then the chargers. Uh, right. But it's like it, looking at this, I'm looking at what six and two, maybe to start the yeah, I mean, year are, before are we, the schedule gets rough. Are we going to, I mean, We'll talk about this, I'm sure, but the likelihood of losing to whatever your feelings on on the Bears are, a team that's probably in the bottom half of the league at at maybe at, at their height at this. I can live with juncture. bottom half. I just right. can't okay. live with I, third I, you know, worst. Real, you know, really I can live with bottom half. I can't live we, with third worst team in the league. I just don't <laughs> but, see it. But then we have Seattle, and they're definitively going to be one of the worst yes, teams in the league, like absolutely. without a doubt. Um, the Panthers, I actually live in the Carolinas, so I'm kind of surrounded by that. Um, I don't know if they're going to be any good or not. When you're pinning your hopes on whether or not Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy for 17 games and Baker Mayfield, I mean, that makes me go a little bit shaky. And then, of course, the Falcons in those back-to-back weeks. Um, Gosh, I mean, if those are not – if that's not at least three wins right there, then we're doing something wrong. And then – like you said, a couple, you know, you get that Denver game if if they're having a little trouble, kind of getting off to a good start, and if we still can can control the Rams. I, like you said, if it, something would have to be going terribly wrong uh, for for us to have fewer than like four four or five wins out of that first that that stretch at the beginning. Now, obviously, that Chiefs uh, Chargers run is going to be difficult, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm a little more optimistic about this season um, than maybe most, and maybe a lot of people are. But it, it, it feels like even if we're still figuring out what to do with with Trey Lance, and even if he's got growing pains, that there are just so many, there's so many other players on this roster that are in the top, you know, two or three at their position in the NFL especially along that defense and in the skill position players on offense. Yeah, that there's going to be enough to support this team uh even if lance only has to be just a tiny bit better than garoppolo has been in his seasons and we already know what the ceiling of that particular team was right i mean it it feels like we're going to be in pretty good shape yeah and trey brings more to the table athletically than garoppolo could he was pretty much stuck in the pocket and if (laughs) anything had to go and and get him outside you know not that he couldn't make a throw or anything it's just that it's a lot more fluid and a lot more natural coming to, to Lance than it would be to Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly the hope that the the ceiling will be raised of certain things that we can that can get done, the athleticism and the the movement and the throws deep downfield. The the trouble so far seems to be with him is they're kind of you know carbon copy photo photo negatives there that's the word I'm looking for of one another where Garoppolo it doesn't have the athleticism, doesn't have the arm to get the ball downfield, but he could make those short and intermediate throws with pretty high success. Sure. And with guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, get the ball in their hands and let them 
run with the ball was was the tactic. And Lance seems to be struggling at least thus far through training camp and through the preseason with making those layup throws. Uh, you know, it's like the guy's literally 10 feet from you throw the ball to him in a place where he can continue to run with it. And it's the ball placement is maybe not quite there yet. Um, but everything else, the tools are certainly there. And I think that would be the, the, the reason for optimism in that particular case. Right. Well, my, my exposure to Trey Lance and his college career is, was limited at best, but it's just like from what I saw, like the reason I would think he has trouble with those dump offs is that if he wasn't going deep at North Carolina, North Dakota <laughs> state, he was running it right. himself. So he's not throwing a lot of five yard dump offs. And even with the limited experience that he had uh, in college, he's either throwing it a mile down the field or he's running it himself. Yeah, so absolutely. that would be why he's kind of out of practice or uh, not up to snuff uh, with those uh, up to this point. So uh, that makes sense with, with uh, you know, what his shortcomings are uh, at this point. But you have one of the stronger offensive lines in the league. you got a solid running game behind him. And like you said, you got Debo, you got Ayuk, you got uh, George Kittle. So he's in a pretty good spot to uh, – he's got a lot of safety nets there. <laughs> that, you know? That's the hope. Yeah, I mean, and and you look at other situations like you think of Zach Wilson in, in the with the Jets and where uh, Trevor Lawrence is with with the Jags, and you're just like, I I just don't see like a, he would have to be just categorically just awful for this to tank so badly that he's getting benched um, because there again the support as you said the safety net is such that I feel like he's going to be even if he's just okay for now. Um, that if he can continue to grow as the season goes along, he's also 22 years old. Yeah. That's the other thing that people forget. Yeah. He is a kid, um, and he's played very little football since he left high school, yeah. uh, what, three years ago or whatever that was, uh, one year at North Dakota State, and then two and a half games last year, and that's been his the extent of his football since he, he graduated from high school. So right. he's got he's got room to grow, and uh, in that regard, I'm I'm not all that concerned about it. Yeah, I think people are pulling the trigger a little too early on, uh, on on that whole, on that whole thing. I mean, talk about your, you know your stubborn head coach. He really <laughs> stuck to his guns last year with with Garoppolo, right. uh, even though people were screaming for Trey Lance to be put out there. Um, he gets hurt in that game against Arizona, so therefore you can't put him out there for a while. And then you guys go on that run after starting three and five and uh, and all that. But there were even moments I remember, you know, last season people still calling for Trey Lance to be the one put in there. It's like, we got this mm-hmm. kid. We gave up the three first-round picks, put him in there. We're wasting time, blah, blah, blah. You know, get him right. in there. Meanwhile, you guys are winning. You're, you're gaining ground. You're fighting your way back to the playoffs. And then, God forbid, you almost made the damn Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> you know, and Kyle Shanahan's just kind of sitting there like, look, I told you. Right. He's yeah. probably not going to see the field much this year, if at all. Like, he he was actually able to do the plan that Matt Nagy wanted to go through with with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Right. Only six quarters into that plan, Dalton hurts his <laughs> knee and Justin Fields is thrown out on the field. It's like, you know, the, the, he just, it's, I, I, I could do a TED talk on how much of a mess <laughs> that was last year. But even last year, it was still somewhat of a competition. Trey Lance was getting reps with the ones uh, in camp last year. That was not happening in Chicago. Justin Fields had zero reps with the starters last year. That's why when he was thrown into it, he had no chemistry with the skill players because he, he hadn't been practicing with him. It was ridiculous. Right. So, but, you know, now he's been number one from the beginning. Let me ask you, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo would still be on the team if he had been healthy, like no soldier surgery, no rehab, no anything like that? Or do you think it was always Kyle's plan to have him as the backup this year? 
no, I, I feel like he would have been gone if, if the situation had, had played out differently, if he had not been hurt and decided to have that surgery. I feel like, because if you look at all the other t- quarterbacks that moved, if you think about like Carson Wentz going to the Commanders and Baker Mayfield coming to the Panthers and uh, you know all the other sort of mid-tier, Trubisky getting the job in, in, in the Pittsburgh, yeah, all those other sort of mid-tier guys, Mariota and Atlanta, yeah. Um, yeah. Th- those guys, which is basically where Garoppolo is probably, you know, the head of that particular class, um, and maybe significantly better than some of them. But, um, I-, I feel like there would have been a job in one of those places for him. Um, especially considering that he was obviously willing to, to take a pay cut for the right situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I I don't know. Kyle Shanahan is pr- usually pretty easy to read, and his, he's been pretty forthright about, yeah, we're we're expecting him to be gone, and you know, so I, I don't feel like this was uh, this was like okay, we're gonna, I mean I feel like they were gonna, they were going to wait it out as long as they could, but I think eventually they came to the conclusion, um, and the sound of it is they they approached him not really expecting him to be up for taking the pay cut. And they were ready to roll with with Brock Purdy as as their number two, mm-hmm. um, and they were surprised to find that Garoppolo was was in for taking that that pay cut. Probably looked at the because he he he's been talking to other other teams in the league for trade situations since after the the NFC Championship game ended, and you know they gave him permission to seek a trade not long after the season started or season ended. So he knew what the situation was, and he was probably watching all those dominoes fall in the same way that that we were and just kind of going, okay, you know, I don't want to go play for the Texans and be on a team that's, that's bad. Right. Um, Because I think that is a situation that would have really accentuated his negative (laughs) qualities where he's not surrounded by top tier talent and it it would have really made him look worse. So I think he looked at the situation and finally said, all right, there's no place that I can go where I can start immediately. So I can either hang around here and, um, make more money uh you know less money than i was going to but more money than i probably would on the open market as a backup and also the opportunity still exists that if something happens somewhere else his contract is now much more um amenable to somebody taking him on so if someone gets hurt um you know a starter gets hurt along the way and and somebody's not happy with their with their starting with their backup quarterback you know give the give the niners a call and and maybe he's available at that price point and I can see somewhere like maybe the Giants are tired of looking at Daniel Jones after six six weeks or something like that, and they decide you know we gotta we gotta be ready to move on. So let's trade Garoppolo for Garoppolo and then sign him to an extension and move on with that way. I don't know. That's just a speculative thing, but yeah, I don't I don't think this was the plan. I think it just kind of worked out, and Garoppolo said, you know what, it's better for my long term uh, career to stay here. And maybe not do anything like thinking what Trubisky did last year in in, in, in Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, just sat on the bench, watched Josh Allen be really good, and then the Steelers are like, "Hey, we know you. Uh, <laughs> Want to come play for us?" And he was like, "Sure." Um, and that's and that's where he and now he's the starter. It looks like for at least the foreseeable future. So right, yeah, I'm interested to see how that uh, how that works out. I mean, I'm sure you are. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like we. The further we got into last season, the more we realized how much Mitch was. I mean, nobody was saying that Mitch was the problem, but right. we knew that he was a problem. It just became more and more obvious as we went along last year that the 
the seesaw probably tilted a lot heavier to Nagy mm-hmm. than it did to Mitch as far as like trying to get that to work out or or where the disconnect was because we had somebody that athletically was superior to Mitch Trubisky in just about every single way, and yet the offense was worse with him at the helm than it was with Mitch, who had you know a couple of years under his belt uh, mm-hmm. in, in that system. Uh, and everything, and it's and we weren't doing any of the things that Justin Fields was good at, or that you would want to cater to his strengths while you work on his weaknesses in his rookie season and all that kind of stuff. And it was just like, man, that thing probably tilts about eighty twenty nagging to to Mitch as far as like you know trying to help us. Like Mitch has his shortcomings, but good God, man, we won more than we lost with Mitch at quarterback. It's just you know here we are with this quarterback, the quarterback of our dreams for Pete's sake, and the offense is terrible. You know, yeah. it's 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 a joke. We we can see what they're doing a mile away and all that kind of stuff, which is what kind of makes us excited about what we have in in front of us now with Getsy is that they they whispered the sweet nothings in our ear about putting our guys in the best position to succeed. Uh, you know, <laughs> doing what they can. You know, catering the offense to what they do best to try to cover up our weaknesses and or uh, our, our shortcomings. And you know, we got to see a taste of that. Uh, in the preseason, and hopefully, you know, your savage defense will allow us to have a few rays of sunshine <laughs> before reality sets in. Or, or maybe this will be one of those week one flukes where it's like, boy, we got a world championship team uh, on our hands. We beat the 49ers week one, and then we go, you know, 2-14 and 14 the rest of the way like everyone says. So uh, I'm interested to see how it's all going to uh, uh, unfold. How healthy are you guys? Because I know that's been an issue for you the last couple seasons. Um, we're, we're okay right now. Um, the main missing piece right now is, uh, Jimmy Ward, who's our longest tenured player, uh, back there at safety. We're, that was already always the biggest question mark of the, the defense was who was going to start next to Jimmy Ward throughout the, the off season. And now it's like, okay, what are we, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, uh, we're, we're running a little thin. We, we have three, literally three safeties on our, on our 53 man roster right now. Um, so it's, it's not it's not uh, you're not feeling you not making me feel like super confident. Um, but beyond that, uh, we're in, we're in pretty good shape. Um, we got a couple of you know nicks and bruises and some like a you know one of our reserve offensive linemen has got a hamstring thing that he's working back from, but but nothing super major. Um, and then of course the the, the question of uh, the the looming specter of is Jason Verrett going to come back and actually be healthy this year? Because mm. um, if you remember two years ago when he was when he was healthy he was uh, something else. Yeah. Um, and then hurt. But his whole and, career's been snake bit. Like when he was yeah. with San Diego. Yeah. It's like it was, every time he was on the field he's dynamite. He just couldn't keep him on the field. Yeah. And so he's he's on the pup list. He'll be out for the first month and Jimmy Ward will be out for the first month as well. Mm. Um, and then we have one reserve linebacker who is also on IR. But it, I, I, I feel pretty good about the, the depth and, and, and in general across the board. Again, like I said, the safety position is the one that makes you go, OK, so we got a second year guy who is a, who's a, you know Talano Hufanga, who is definitely built in more of the old school safety mo- mode mm. and doesn't run quite as well he, you know he, he resembles um uh, that sort of old school rod woodson you know heavy hitter type of type of guy than he does uh, the, the the modern safety i think um, we got one in jaquan brisker i think he's just like that yeah um and then we got uh george odom who's basically a special team he was an all pro special teamer i think three years ago with the colts um but is looking like he's probably going to be a, a like a 
decent starting safety for for now and then Tarvarius Moore who was on our Super Bowl team but the um against the Chiefs a couple of years ago and has bad, been battling from an Achilles injury that he suffered last uh year in the in the preseason um during training camp and that's pretty, those are pretty much our safeties at this particular point so um there there's room there but I, the rest of the team is you know the front seven is the front seven and it's maybe even scarier than it's been in <laughs> in years past um and then you know one of the better linebacking crews in the nfl and an improved uh cornerback group as well uh we got our travarius ward came over from the uh from the chiefs and he's uh looking to to really hold down that other cornerback spot um so other than safety and then just some question marks along the offensive line just in terms of like who's going to be in what spot and where where are they comfortable um I'm, you know, not a lot of injury concerns at this juncture, you know, knock on all the wood in the whole world. Um, (laughs) But uh, heading into week one, I I feel pretty good about that. So the offensive line, you guys been shuffling around looking for your best five or because I know it's Trent Williams at left tackle, maybe McGlinchey at right. And then what we got in the working in the middle. Yeah, the middle is the real question. So Alex Mack retired after the end of last year. So that center position with um with Shanahan's offenses are are super is super important. You know, it's basically like a second quarterback uh, type of situation. They opted not to go out and sign a veteran and are bringing in, a, you know, they're rolling at this juncture with a guy who's technically a veteran, but in that he's been in the league a long time, but has very little game experience. His name is Jake Brendel. He's been on several different uh, teams, uh, practice squad mostly. Um, appears to be the starter. Um, uh, left guard is looking like it's going to be Aaron Banks, who they drafted in the second round last year. Um, and everybody lost their minds because it's like, whoa, why are we getting a guard in the second round who does who doesn't fit the offense right now? And then, of course, everybody realizes they are playing <laughs> chess, not checkers, and thinking about the Lance years ahead of and because he fits a lot more of that sort of forward motion offense. Sure. Um, he's out of Notre Dame, and then Spencer Burford is uh, appearing to be our starting right guard. Um, he's a rookie out of uh, the University of Texas at San Antonio. Um, and if you're as confused about where that, <laughs> what school that is, as I am, then you're on on board. Uh, and he kind of came out of nowhere. They took him in the middle rounds this this year, and he's just locked down that that spot. He's been pretty much there since since OTAs, and has uh, shown pretty well um, for a for a guy who. Yeah, I believe he played tackle at, at that level in, in college, so has the movement skills to, to do a lot of things on the inside. Um, so I don't know that it's really a lack of, of, of skill there. It's just between the three of them, they have something like, you know, in the tens of, of NFL snaps in their career. So it's yeah. just like, okay, well, let's see what happens. Right. Well, you know, uh, we're in a very similar situation. Uh, with our offensive line, unfortunately, we don't have a Trent Williams, uh, you know, who's regarded as probably the best left tackle in football to uh, lean on and protect our quarterback's blindside. We are, in fact, going in the complete opposite direction uh, with our fifth-round rookie offensive tackle out of that football powerhouse known as Southern Utah University mm. um, is going to be our starting left tackle. Braxton Jones uh, is his name, and for all of his natural talents and everything that he's done to basically get the job in OTAs and hold it down every day since, um, Nick Bosa is a different animal altogether. <laughs> you know, to, you know, going up again like he did, he handled himself very well against the Chiefs in their front. 
uh, in the first game, uh, did well against the, 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 you know, the Seahawks and what they're bringing to the table these days and um, was spared uh, no Miles Garrett, no Jadavian Clowney in the Cleveland game to finish up. So he's performed very well, but he hasn't seen Nick Bosa yet. He hasn't played against a Miles Garrett or a Jadavian uh, Clowney uh, yet. So I'm very interested to see how he'll hold up and he's playing the most important position on the field outside of quarterback mm-hmm. and that being the quarterback's main protector and his blind side um so we'll see um see how he holds up because he could be an all pro by the end of the day if uh nick bose is a non-factor uh in the in the ball game and then the only guy that's on the field that is playing a position that he was in um is cody whitehair our left guard uh our center is coming off of a thumb injury where he missed most of the preseason and lucas patrick who we signed away from the Packers. Our right guard is the guy that we drafted to be our left tackle of the future in Tevin Jenkins. He's going to be a right guard. And then our right tackle is Larry Borum, the guy we drafted in the fifth round last year. So if you want to talk about tens of snaps uh, in the (laughs) NFL, we got a rookie, two second year guys, somewhat of a journeyman. Like he started for the Packers, but he was not the starter for Mm -hmm. the Packers. And then Cody Whitehair, who's pretty much played every down since he joined the Bears in 2016. So um, it's an interesting group for sure. But we just picked up Alex Leatherwood from the Raiders. Uh, he's going to be our backup left tackle. We got Riley Reef coming off the bench on, on the left tackle. So we've got, we've got some experience if those young guys can't hold up. And I kind of like the way the Bears are, are doing it. It's like if the veteran and the rookie are on the same pace, we're going to go with the rookie and let them grow as sure. opposed to shoving the veteran down our throat, which is what Matt Nagy loved to do. Yeah. So never, never mind player development. He wants to win <laughs> now, apparently. So... Um, it, it's going to be interesting because you guys have a hell of, like you said, the front seven uh, is one of the scariest groups uh, in the NFL. And our biggest question mark throughout the offseason has been our offensive line. So, you know, literally shuffling the deck, the entire, all of OTAs, training camp, the whole nine. Like Tevin Jenkins didn't play his first snap at right guard until the second preseason game. So it's not like, oh, Braxton Jones is going to be our left tackle. Well, let's put Tevin Jenkins in there. I mean, I'm sure if you follow the league, you know Tevin Jenkins was as good as gone for a majority of the of training camp until they finally slotted him in at uh, right guard, and he took to that like a fish to water. So, I mean, it's it's been an, uh, an insane offseason as far as who our offensive line is, is going to be and, and what we've got for the 49ers, let alone the other 16 games to follow. Right, yeah, they they don't exactly get to to be eased into into the things for. Week well, I mean, because not only do we have you guys this Sunday, we have the Packers next week, and the yeah. Packers may have some uh, holes to fill on offense, but defensively, they're probably better this year than they were the year before. You know, and and you guys know, uh, uh, you, you beat them, <laughs> but I mean, it was it was a nail biting special teams touchdown that had to you know, win the game. It's not like you went down and marched up and down the field uh, on them. I was like, they've got a solid defensive unit. So those being the first two tests for our guys, it's like, we're going to learn a lot about this O-line in these first two games, man, because this, uh, we got some pretty heavy tests uh, to kick off the year. Yeah. And uh, my, uh, my other uh, thought on that is it, do- it appears the weather is not going to be kind <laughs> on Sunday either. I think I saw something about like pot- potential rain and kind of sticky nastiness yeah. and so and of course be. soldier field has a wonderful reputation for being one of the best fields in the nfl <laughs> so yeah uh, something that yes. they're resodding as we speak so it won't oh, be deeply rooted and you know you know nice and and strong 
uh, cool. surface. But apparently it's going to be a faster track because I just read an article that said that uh, our head coach, I tell you, man, I, I love this guy. He's all about the details and situational things and uh, and what have you. Uh, things that we haven't heard our other coaches talk about. Uh, suggested Bermuda grass or something oh, like yeah. that. There's something that he experienced when he was in Indianapolis. Hmm. Like it's a faster track. The players are going to love it. Put it out there. You know, they'll be able to, you know, he emphasizes speed. So he wants the fastest service possible. So that's what we'll all be privy to on uh, Sunday when we get kicked off. It's just whether or not the, the rain comes in and, and has right. anything to do with that fast track uh, for us. So, but uh, speaking of speed, yeah. Let's talk about your your wide receivers and everything. Did did Debo play at all during the preseason? Um, a, a little bit. Uh, they, I mean, obviously he didn't get out into the into the swing of things until you know about a week or so into training camp. Right. Um, so he was a little bit behind the eight ball, but they played him very little. I mean, and I at this point, other than the, I mean, he knows what's expected of him and, and that sort of thing. I think the main thing that that's missing there and and will be a little little concerning um kind of getting things started was is just the chemistry stuff with with trey mm. um because uh lance and and Ayuk have been basically inseparable throughout the the off season um you know doing extra work they were working out together uh in between otas and and training camp and so they seem to be on the same page that'll be good so um something to watch out for is the sort of on the incoming maybe brandon Ayuk breakout year um after he had a real disappointing start to last year mm-hmm. um did come on eventually but I, it, I mean there's a there's a good chance that he ends up being um the sort of top wideout option there because in, in terms of like pure wide receivers he's probably the best uh option on the team you know Debo is what Debo is and he does all so many things very well um and I think it, it gets a little lost in the conversation about you know, the, the wide back stuff and all the stuff that he did last year is that he was second in the league in receiving yards up until the point when they had to had to pull him back and, and do more things with him because of the, the, the running back injury. So, um, yeah, he isn't he didn't play very much, but I, I'm not terribly concerned about it because they're in, in his case, it's all about just getting the ball in his hands in whatever way that you can and and seeing what he can do with it. Um, but uh, he'll he'll be ready to go. I'm 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 pretty sure. And how about the running back situation? I know Raheem Mostert moved on to uh, Miami, He's, but I mean yep. he didn't play at all last year anyway with with the knee injury. Um, nope. Second uh, play everything. of the game, I think, hurt himself. Yeah. Yeah, and that uh, that I remember that uh, that post that he made about basically shutting himself down mm-hmm. to have the surgery to you know to to take care of uh, the injury. You know, thinking more in the long term as opposed to whatever arthroscopic thing would get him back out there in six weeks but not really take care of the problem right? Uh, kind of thing. Uh, who do you have uh, running the football? I mean, I know that when we played you guys last year, you had that running back that really gave us fits. Um, not Garoppolo, but the actual, <laughs> uh, you know, the guy that actually the ran actual the ball back. gave us a lot of problems. Yeah, last year I got um, so many feelings about that game last year. I can't even begin to tell you. So yeah, you you but, and me both, man. Um, yeah, so Elijah Mitchell stands to be the 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 main running back okay. coming out of uh, training camp. Uh, he sort of came out of nowhere and took over that week one game against the Lions. Uh, ran for over 100 yards without anybody really expecting that he was going to be even a, a factor on the team. You know, they drafted Trey Sermon in the third round last year, and right. then they he's got gone him. now. Right, he's gone. He's in yeah. Philadelphia. 
Um, they drafted uh, Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round, and everybody's like, well, another, really? We're drafting two running backs? Okay. Because um, we had Mostert, and everybody was was thinking, okay, that's bizarre, bar- strange decisions. But it ended up being that Elijah Mitchell was our leading rusher. I think we're running like something like six or – well, every year that Shanahan has been here, we've had a different leading rusher per the season. So mm. um, some of that has been, you know, people stepping up with injuries and all that kind of stuff. Some of it is just he plays the hot hand and that's just kind of how he rolls. You um, know what? Um, let me cut you off there for just yeah, a second. You're good. I absolutely love that about Kyle mm. Shanahan. Okay. After several years of watching, because it that, I mean, and this is stuff that I was saying about Shanahan going into the game last year and even afterwards is that I love his attitude about his offense. Like, I think it was the the divisional game against the Vikings a couple years ago mm-hmm. where he ran the ball like 80% of the football game, and they <laughs> asked him at the end, why would you keep running the ball? And he looked at them like they were nuts, and they're like, because it was working. <laughs> right. You know, he's going. He's the guy that's going to dare you to stop him. Right. You know, I'm going to run it right down your throat. I might even throw up a card to tell you where it's going. Right. You can stop it if you can uh, kind of thing, but I'm going to keep running it down your throat until you give me a reason not to. Nagy, on the other hand, was that guy that if something was working, he was going to stop doing it before you figured it out. And he was going to move on to something else and would just basically cut himself off uh, at the knees. It made me nuts to watch that year in and year out because he had no sense for sticking with the guy with the hot hand. Like how many 200-yard games David Montgomery probably could have had if we'd have let him run the ball 30, 35 times when when he was on something that day. You know, but instead it's like, nope, we got 10, 10 carries for 95 yards in the first half. He'll run the ball three times in the second half. God only knows why, but (laughs) you know, and then we can't figure out why we're struggling to win football games. Whereas Shanahan's like, if we can run the ball 60 times in a row, I'm getting first downs. That would be his favorite thing. First downs every two carries, then guess what? We're running the ball 60 times. I don't give a damn if it bores people to sleep. We're going to win a football game this way. It's like, I love Shanahan and, and the way that he, he handles that. It just, it, you know, it's like hopefully Eberflus and Getze are in that more that mode. Like if if David Montgomery's hot, then we're sticking with him. Or maybe Khalil Herbert comes out and he's the one getting six yards a clip. We're going to give him the football until it starts to slow down kind of thing. Uh, I, I just hope that we can adopt that kind of attitude because I love that Shanahan does that. Yeah. I mean, it it does have its faults in that he can get a little bit too sure, uh, sure. tying. He can fall in love with the running game a little bit too much and will – he has gotten into stretches where he'll he'll just keep running and you're like, dude, it's not working. <laughs> like, I, I get it. Like, we're a running team and you want to run the ball, but please stop. Like, it's yeah. like three yards in a cloud of dust ain't going to get the job done. Right. They point. figured it out. Only adds, move on to something Because that else. only adds up to nine. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're going to need to do a little something different. But um, but yeah, so Elijah Mitchell will be in there. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. seems to be back and 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 healthy. He was wasn't uh doing he wasn't 100 last year he started off the year on ir and came back eventually um they drafted this kid out of lsu uh Tyrion davis price is his name mm-hmm. um just they just called him ty davis price uh, kind of a bigger bruising kind of kid but um does seem to have pretty good balance and um we'll see what happens he was uh you know up and down throughout the preseason showed some stuff kind of showed some some reasons why he wasn't uh, kind of ready for it, but he he'll he'll get some opportunities to play for sure. Um, and then the most interesting uh, player on uh, in this group because we know what Mitchell is, we know what Wilson is. Um, obviously, Davis Price is a is a rookie, and we'll see. But we have this undrafted rookie out of Georgia Tech. His name is Jordan Mason. Um, 
showed showed a lot of stuff uh, during the preseason was was their kind of bell cow back during the preseason because Mitchell didn't play at all. And I don't think Wilson did either. So it was mostly mostly Sermon, uh, Jamichael Hasty, who's in Jacksonville now, and Davis Price and Jordan Mason. And if you've paid attention uh, to Kyle Shanahan at any particular point, um, you talked about Raheem Mostert, uh, Matt Breida a couple of years ago. He, I mean, even going back to his father, like Terrell Davis, yeah, was a was a seventh round draft pick. But he likes to find those sixth, seventh undrafted guys. And suddenly they're superstars. And I'm not saying that that's happening for Jordan Mason, mm-hmm. uh, but they were apparently uh, they kept him on the roster. They they initially had six running backs, including Kyle Juszczyk, on the roster uh, for the 53 man group. Ended up releasing uh, Sermon, thinking they could get him uh, back on the practice squad. But they were very specific about like we cannot put Jordan Mason out here or else he's going to be gone and somebody else is going to grab him. Um, so they're very high on him. What role he's going to play remains to be seen. But like I said, we didn't see Elijah Mitchell coming last year either. You know, he, Raheem Mostert got hurt and suddenly here comes this kid, the sixth round draft pick over the third round draft pick off the bench and he runs for 125 yards or something like that against the Lions in his first NFL game. Right. So who knows? <laughs> but there's, it's a stable um, and it will continue to be a stable and, uh, I, I know that he really likes Mitchell a lot and he will, wants to get the best out of him, but he was also a little banged up off and on. It's amazing. He only played like 12 games last year and almost ran for a thousand yards. So mm. um, he's got it for sure. Um, but uh, we'll see how the, the load of that kind of carries out. But it, there there will be running. I will, I will tell you that, especially if the weather's not great. Sure. Um, that that 40, 40 rushing attempts is, is sort of like the badge of honor that Shanahan likes to wear <laughs> when he gets there. You can kind of see him smirking a little bit like, oh, here we go. Because um, if it gets to 40, it's usually working like really yeah, well. Sure. It's usually like 40 and 200, like when you get to that number. <laughs> and, it's, and, he's, and he's feeling pretty good about himself. And he's just like, all right, cool. Yeah, it's a weird thing about the the running back position. Is like I don't think it's been devalued so much as as like you know it's still an essential part of the offense it's still there you got to have running backs on your offense but it's been greatly devalued and the price the teams are willing to pay right. to get one these days whether it be in the draft or uh in free agency you know for for all for every christian mccaffrey you're going to have a hundred elijah mitchells mm. or khalil herbert's guys that are undrafted or you know day three picks that are supposed to be development of players but oh wait He's your starting running back now, kind of mm-hmm. thing, and you know the Bears know you know know that very well. We got Jordan Howard in the fifth round, Tariq Cohen in the fourth round. Uh, you know David Montgomery is the highest draft pick, and he was a late third rounder, like you, as in like five picks from being in the fourth round, late right. in the third round. And then you know we got Khalil Herbert last year uh, in the sixth round uh, and everything. So it's just like you know the the position is is still valuable. And the way we conduct business and running the football, and that's still an essential part of the offense. But you're not going to see somebody at running back like Kajana Carter getting taken number one overall, like <laughs> no, probably no, no. ever again. No, you know he's sure. going to be able to need be be something more than just a running back to be taken over number one overall. And they call those guys quarterbacks. So right, um, but, yeah. And, and and the weird thing about it is, is um, Shanahan still kind of insists on like ever since he's been here, they've done something weird. And then with the running back position, like they gave Jarek McKinnon. I don't know if you remember that when they first got here, they gave Jarek McKinnon a bunch of money mm-hmm. um, and he never played. Part of that was injuries and and that sort of thing. But and he was going to be the sort of 
a running back, but also sort of a pass receiver. You know, that was a do it all kind of guy. They gave Tevin Coleman money uh, to get him back. Not a lot of money, but some uh, they drafted. They've drafted three running backs in the third round, I think. Um, hmm. Joe Williams out of Utah their first year who ended up flaming out before it even started Trey Sermon and now Ty Davis Price um, and yet literally every good running back every leading rusher that they've had outside of Carlos Hyde who was still here when they got here who was their leading rusher their first the first year that, that Shanahan was here um, has been an undrafted free agent or some late round <laughs> draft pick and it's just like are you like are you paying attention to what's going on? Cause everybody else is like, right. <laughs> stop it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's pretty remarkable. I mean, especially since with, with the three third round picks, third round picks, those are, you know, even though they're third rounders, those are guys that are supposed to be impact players like immediately. Yeah. That's, uh, kind that's of the thing. frustration. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet the guy that, that nobody else wanted the undrafted guy or the, somebody you're taking a flyer on in the sixth round ends up being the guy. Uh, it, it's an interesting way that that all breaks down. I mean, you, you just never know how some of these guys are going to respond to the NFL game, the NFL lifestyle, and uh, and things like that. And it also, especially at the running back position, it seems like the guys that are just happy to be there are the ones that are playing their way onto rosters where the guys that expected to be there uh, are the ones that are flaming out quicker. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you think about like somebody like Trey Sermon, who for all by all accounts was not a problem um, when he was with the 49ers. I think it was just it was probably really easy for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when He was at Ohio State like, oh, sure. I, so he probably so it, it, it there was probably something on that film that was like, oh, look at the burst and the explosion and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like. When you're driving, when you got Mack truck size holes because their <laughs> offensive line is better than everybody else in the entire world, yeah. like yeah, of course, like he's a good athlete, so he's going to be able to 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 get that job done. And it just doesn't seem it didn't seem in that particular case that the fit was there. Um, so we'll see um, what happens with with Ty Davis Price and with the other groups. But um, that's a very long way of answering that. It could be anybody. Who knows? Well, I mean, I I know how Kyle Sh- or Kyle Shanahan runs. Uh, his offense. I know of his reputation for like, hey, we found this guy. We're gonna give him the ball and see what happens. Oh, look, two hundred yards. Not you know, mm-hmm. that's that's how that goes, uh, kind of thing. Whereas this guy that we drafted and gave a bunch of money, uh, he's you know on a bust somewhere else right now. So uh, you yeah, know, that, I mean, that's he doesn't care about that. That's that's it's irrelevant to him. Once you're in the building, it's just like, oh, you guys are all the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's gonna produce? Well, I mean, that's something on? that I heard in a uh, the Bears. Um, YouTube channel, their little show, if you will, is called 1920 Football Drive. That's the Hallis Hall address. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rod Marinelli, who was our defensive coordinator and is Matt Eberflus's mentor, says that when they were together in Dallas, they never put a ceiling on a guy. Saying yeah. like, well, you're an undrafted guy, so you're either developmental or you're special teams or whatever. It's like, no, if I brought you into the football team is because I think you can help us. You know, so it's like, I'm not going to say that you're third string, so you'll always be third string. It's like, I'm going to push you to be a first stringer because you're on my football team. Right. And, you know, it's it's a refreshing uh, attitude to hear about that, you know, even though he might not be number one on the depth chart, he's on the football team for a reason. And if we need him to play, we expect him to do so at a high level. And, yeah. you know, that's obviously what Shanahan's doing with his Running backs, it's like if you're in the building and you're wearing my helmet, I expect you to be able to do this if I have to put you out there. So yeah. get it together, and those that do will stay, and those that don't will 
be on there, be on a bus to Philly or Jacksonville or <laughs> Miami, you know, and uh, all that kind of stuff. You won't be here anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's it's a refreshing way of doing it because you know, one of the things that that all that successful coaches, you I mean, you, you you hear about guys like Bill Belichick and Bill Walsh and those types of guys who were. It wasn't sentimental. This is not. This doesn't have anything to do with whether or not I think you're a nice guy, yeah, or anything like that. It's just you're not you're not getting the job done, so time to go. Like, um, best of luck to you in your next position as long as you're not beating me. So right. <laughs> that kind of thing. It's just it's the way to do it. I mean, it doesn't mean that he's that he dislikes Trey Sermon or he thinks he's a bad guy. Again, like I said, everything that we've heard is that he was a a good kid in camp and he didn't have a bad attitude and it wasn't that wasn't the problem. It just he just wasn't getting the job done, and so time to move on. So let's talk about special teams uh, as we start to wrap things up here, uh, Robert. Obviously, we're very familiar with your kicker. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like everybody still likes to talk about how he should still be our kicker. And I was like, in a perfect world, yeah, that would have happened. However, when we let him go, even though it seemed right. unfathomable because he'd been our kicker for like 10 years at that point, but it's just when we let him go – 2015, he was inconsistent. He was shaky at best, and then he started in the preseason. He's shanking field goals and doinking extra points. It's just like, you know, maybe it's time. So they moved on. Unfortunately, that was not the right move. And then he ended <laughs> up with you guys, and in one of his first games with you, he kicks five field goals to beat us. So, yep. you know, and he's consistently been one of the best kickers in the league since joining uh, the 49ers, because when he got cut in 2016, he didn't play for half the season, and then he was kicking for the Giants at the end of right. the season before he moved on uh, to you. But it's like, I got to admit, it's pretty sweet watching him put that through the uprights over the Packers in that, <laughs> in that playoff game. That kind of felt like a, you know, like yeah. that's not only are we watching the Packers lose, but we're watching Robbie, who in his heart is still a Chicago guy, yeah, put it sure. through the uprights. And uh, it was like, that was pretty sweet. It's like, I yeah. had to admit that was pretty good. And uh, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Very much. I, th- I believe he had some choice words for the. Oh, I did. <laughs> I saw Packers. that. I was like, I, I watched that one back a couple of times. Like, let's got to hear him say it. Just and just imagine him in a Navy jersey. That would just be so sweet. Uh, you know, but I open my eyes and he's still wearing the, the red and the white. Like, ah, yeah. Well. Yeah, a boy can yeah, dream. I mean, he's he's been uh, he's been by and large spectacular for us. Yeah, um, for yeah, yeah, there was a, a string. I think in the like the middle of his maybe second or third year where it was it was like okay, what's going on? Like, or is is he maybe we we were because he had a really great first season and then all of a sudden it started to to tank a little bit and we were a little nervous about it. But he seems to have have kind of pulled it together and. He's made a lot of money, I will say. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> staying with, with the 49ers. Uh, they keep giving him big contracts, and they're, they've been really cool about lay, allowing. I mean, he still lives in Chicago. His family's still there. Right. That. Um, and so I don't know, he has, like, what, three young boys, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've, they've allowed him to, to, to set up a situation where he, he can keep his family there, and he was able to spend most of the offseason and, and that sort of thing. And he's he's just been... He's been great, and he's been more importantly, he's been great when we've needed him to be great. You mm-hmm. know, in situations like you're talking about in the in the terrible weather of that that NFC playoff game last year in in Green Bay, yeah. and he just goes out there and he's like, "I've done this." Well, it's a day at the of office guys. for him. Yeah, I mean, the, the dude spent the first ten years of his career kicking at Soldier Field, so right. so if he can handle that, he can handle just about anything, for sure. Um, so he, I, I believe this is the last year of his current deal, um, with us. So it'll be interesting to see, 
Um, if he's interested, I think he's 43 or something like that. Is he? Um, yeah, he's, hmm. I mean, he's getting, he's up there. So, uh, it'd be a question of whether or not he wants to keep doing it. I think the Niners will continue to pay him if he wants to stick around, but, um, he may just decide, you know, it's been a long time. Maybe it's time to go off into the, in the sunset, but we get, we'll at least get him for this year. And, um, and actually our entire kicking battery is, is on the last year of its contract. Uh, so uh, he'll be 40 um, in December. Oh, 40. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. sorry, Grabby. I did not mean to make you older than you are. My apologies. Um, if you're listening to this, I did not mean to make you old. Um, <laughs> So he's still a young chap then in that case. Yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, for sure. Um, see, I, 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 there we go. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, so he's in good shape. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski continues to be our punter. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's been decent, but we also drafted him in the fourth round, you know, four years ago. And it's just kind of like, uh, okay, like, you know, talking about value of players with the running backs, you know, if you're getting yeah, a that's, fourth round, that's high if you're getting for a fourth a round punter, punter, yeah, you better be like changing games and in in that kind of thing. They were looking for the sort of uh, what's the the guy Dicker, Dickinson Dickerson and um, the Seattle punter who's uh, they're yes. also they're both they're both yeah. Australian, um, and so they were kind of looking for that similar kind of vibe, and maybe they would get these uh, sort of off off kilter, bizarre, strange, you know, rugby kicks and all this kind of stuff. And it just, he's been decent, but never really uh, spectacular and definitely not worth the, the, the 4 million or the fourth round draft pick and the however many millions of dollars that they paid him because of that, um, (laughs) kind of thing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they decide to go a different direction after this season, but he's, he's here for now. And then, and then my favorite name on the team, our long snapper is named Tabor Pepper. Nice. Um, He's pretty cool. Um, he's te- technically listed as a tight end, which is great. Um, they like to make fun of the fact that he's listed in in Madden as a tight end, and he's like a twenty three overall because <laughs> he's not really because he's not really a tight end. He's actually just a long snapper. Sure, but they don't apparently don't have that position in the game for some reason. Um, but I think that's that's just funny, and he 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 enjoys the fact that he's. You know, I mean, if you follow him on social media, he's just kind of a you know. He's the long snapper. He knows what his what his place is, and that's uh, it's the sweetest it. gig in football, man. It really, it really is in I mean, a lot of our, ways. Our longest tenured player in Bears history was our long snapper, Patrick Manley. He was on the team for like sixteen, seventeen years. Obviously, almost never uh, missed a game. Uh, you know, and by the end of his career, he was making like two million a season to snap the ball, uh, good, which is that's like it. stealing money in the NFL to to be making that much. I mean, $2 million is peanuts as far as the NFL is concerned, but it's like he's a, a long snapper. These guys are dime a dozen. Uh, but he was our long snapper for at least 16 or 17 years, most games ever in a Barry uniform, and it was our long snapper. Wow. So, yeah. They're eccentric guys. They're definitely yeah. uh, different, you know, because it's, it's a, a, the, the lifestyle that they're living is completely different from any other football player on the team just because they come out there, they do a couple of snaps, do they even bother watching film? Like, I don't even know what, you know, what would you would do uh, there? But it's just like, you know, oh, yeah. And I'm and I'm making the kind of money that most Americans would kill uh, to make. <laughs> to come out here and make sure that I can snap it straight to a guy six feet away from me. So it's <laughs> not a bad guy doesn't knock me down. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like maybe jobs. eventually, maybe every once in a while I get run over by Aaron Donald trying to block a field goal. But, you know. Take That's your enough. lumps where you have to as far as that making $1.5 million to snap a football. So For sure. I'm For good. Sure. So... But how about your returners? Who is it? Is, is Samuel returning kicks this year? Or is it, oh, like, you know, he's, I know he's a Swiss not. Army um, knife kind of guy, but what yeah, does no, he do? 
we so we got Ray Ray McLeod from uh, Pittsburgh, okay, uh, who has been a, a kickoff specialist and return specialist for them. Um, he also seems like he might factor into the offense a little bit in terms of like a slot receiver, kind of a gadget guy, in addition to what they can do with with Debo and and, and other players. Um, but his initial, they brought him in is like we need to shore up. Um, the special teams in a lot of ways, because in spite the fact that we won that playoff game in Green Bay on a special teams play, we had some some pretty bad special teams uh, play in terms of coverage and, and and that sort of thing throughout the season. And it was really only helped by the fact that I think the Packers were the worst special teams oh, unit in the in the NFL last well, that, year. <laughs> that game, the Bears played against them on Sunday night. Um, the, 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 the first like four returns or whatever, including Jakeem Grant's 97 yard punt return for a touchdown were all like, okay, here's Khalil Herbert. He got the ball, gets the ball at the five. He's at the 45 before anybody touches him. Yeah, and they're... you know, the fact that they were like, they had one kick where they stopped us inside the 25 yard line. And you would have thought green Bay won the super bowl <laughs> from the ovation that the crowd gave the special teams unit for finally stopping the Bears on our side of the 50-yard line. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and then we got um, a couple of the decent players. I mentioned George Odom, who was a, a, an all-pro at the gunner position um, a couple of years ago with the Colts. And so he's, uh, once he if he's not a starting safety, uh, factors to be in there. Um, ironically, one of our other main uh, special teams uh, forward thoughts was actually a, a former Packer, uh, Oren Burks, who was a linebacker and special teams guy sure, who was also... Yeah. Um, a top-notch guy at that position, and so he's um, uh, on our on our team as well. Um, I know he's dealing with a little bit of a knock coming out of the the last preseason game, but I think he's he's going to be set to go. Um, so they they were looking for that was one of the the specific things they were they were looking to do is um, is kind of shore that up. They just haven't really had a, a like a a return guy that you're like, that's the guy and he's going to do it. Um, you may be mm. familiar with the, the last entry that they, they made an attempt to, to make that out of. And that's Dante Pettis. Who's with you guys. Oh, now. sure. Yeah. Um, he was a second round draft pick for us just a couple of years ago. And it's like, he set the NCAA record for punt return touchdowns, I think, uh, in a career. And so they were like, Oh, he's going to be a wide receiver, but he's also going to be this weapon as a return man. Never worked out. Um, obviously, because we only drafted him like three years ago, and he's, <laughs> he's on, on your my guys, team now. Not on your team yeah, now. Yeah. So, uh, and this is, I think, team three, three or four. four. four yeah. I think four for him because he was with uh, the Giants last year. That Giants, I know of. Yeah, maybe just three. Um, but didn't he play for Indianapolis, or am I making that up? Um, I don't remember. Um, maybe it was a different a USC wide receiver that was in. Yeah, but uh, so it it's definitely a need, and and one of those things. I mean. Really, if you have to sum up everything that they've done, it's like, how can we make life easier for our young quarterback mm-hmm. um, and not having boneheaded mistakes on special teams and being able to actually you know, return punts with, with some frequency uh, a little further down the field or maybe make something out of kickoff returns is, is definitely something that, that they're, they're looking to do. Right. So real quick, this matchup, um, I got to admit – if there was a time for us to play you guys, <laughs> week one is when I would want the Bears to do it. Well, you don't know that much about us, what we've put on film. You don't know if you're going to see it at all, uh, you know, on Sunday. And then, you know, while Trey Lance is still trying to figure out his mid-range game and all that kind of stuff, hopefully we can cut down on the 
explosive plays, which seemed to be his bread and butter. Because right. I know that was like one of the first things he did last year in the preseason, and he nailed another big one against the the Packers in that first preseason game uh, as well. It's like obviously he's got a taste and a touch for the deep ball yes. uh, and everything. So as long as we can keep that uh, under wraps and force him to throw the underneath stuff, this is a good matchup for the Bears week one as far as they don't know us and they got a young quarterback that they're leaning on that, you know, may not know his uh, stuff. I was like, I wouldn't want to be playing you guys week eight, you know, or or after that when, when he, you know, you'd think he's A, still the starter, according to Peter King, and, <laughs> you know, B, kind of got it figured out uh, at that point. If there was any time, if we have to play you guys week one, week two, that's where I'd want it uh, uh, to be because there's, you know, the limited exposure of us. We might be able to surprise you guys. And then, you know, Trey Lance uh, getting his feet under him as a, as a starter in a real football game. So I mean it's that's the you know the 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 kind of um cautious optimism going into this <laughs> one. You know, we had some we had decent performances in the uh in the preseason. You know, we might be able to to get, you know, sneak one or two past the goalie uh against you guys and then, you know, maybe Trey Lance has some growing pains in week 1 and we steal one from you guys. It it could happen. You see it happen every year week 1. There's always some weird win like, "Wait, what? This team?" you know, that kind of thing. Right. But yeah. uh, you know, reality says the 49ers probably going to win this one and um funny as it may sound, um a lot during the Matt Nagy era I had what we call yeah, but victories <laughs> like, yeah, we won, but this, yeah, we won, but that you always kind of walked away feeling bad about the wins. And I'm hoping under Eberflus, as we grow in year one and hopefully into year two or become a factor in things, I want to feel good about the losses as crazy as that sounds. Like I would no, like I- to walk away saying like, you know what? We took the 49ers best shot. We were still in it at the end of the game. They had to close us out as opposed to this thing being over in the third quarter and them walking away with it in the final yeah. frame. It's like I would if it has to go down that way, I would much rather watch us fight till the very end as opposed to, you know, like on paper, you guys are in the top 10, we're in the bottom 3 and you know, <laughs> according to that, you're supposed to just have an easy Sunday and I hope that's not what we see uh if it goes your way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's, it's definitely, a, you know, as you say on paper, I, I feel pretty good about the, the sure. matchup from, from our perspective. But there, there are also situ. I mean, all you have to do is look back last year in the this. I mean, I know that you're the different team, different coaching staff, and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the sputtering offense to start off, and the, you know, we needed that. That massive play from Debo Samuel to, to kick Man, the game off, and it feel like it, it took forever. Like it's just like. Really, honestly, and, and I mean, and, you know, offense not meant, but it, that no, like I, a game that we had absolutely no business toying around with. And at that point, it was we were in that that point where if we it felt like if we lose this game, like the season's over kind of thing. Right. Um, and that just kind of saved the whole thing. And um, so I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that that Trey is getting his first week one start and he's a kid and the offense could get out there and it hasn't, I mean, they didn't get a lot of time in the, in the preseason. And so there's a real possibility that they could get out there. Um, you know, I think if they're, it, you guys, if, if the, the bears have their biggest strength, I think is, is also, also defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's some players on that side. You think of Roquan Smith and, and Robert Quinn and, and those sorts of players and, you know, Eddie, Eddie Jackson and, and players like that who could cause problems for, for, for Trey Lance and for the offense. But, 
Um, the other, the saving grace from my end is that Shanahan's also had a couple of weeks to think about this and right. um, whether or not that works out because sometimes he kind of outsmarts himself a little bit too. Um, he's real guilty of, of, of doing that. Like coming out of bye weeks, he's, he tends to struggle because I think he has way too much time to like, okay, I got two weeks to think about this. What am I going to do? And then he just... <laughs> overthinks it um so i think it'll probably be a closer game especially if the weather doesn't doesn't cooperate um uh you know having have spent some time in in chicago over the years i i I know that when the weather is not cooperative it can be quite nasty in a lot of cases with the wind and the rain and all the other things that being on the lakefront is a factor for sure yeah so um it could it could be one of those games it could I, i could certainly see it being one of those things that's close for the duration I could see a situation where our offense actually comes out and just is doing what it needs to do. But I could also see a repeat of Garoppolo's first game there where it's sure. like 12 to six and it's like, Oh, who's, are we, is this a, a, a Cubs giants game or are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> Ironically, they are playing that, that afternoon. Or they that are night, actually, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that works out kind of a, a double dip there of uh, Bay area and Chicago land. So that works out. Yeah. I mean that game last year, man, I, I do this thing for the show where I record uh, like recap segments between quarters. Yeah. I call them knee-jerk reactions. And at the end of the first quarter, at the end of the second quarter, I was saying, we're, for all the good that we've done in the first half, moving the football, settling for field goals instead of touchdowns, we're just waiting for the, them to take this away from us. We're setting ourselves up for failure. And in the most unlikely of situations, third and 19 from inside your own five-yard line, uh, that became the play that turned the whole game uh, on its ear because you score there. Now it's, what, 14-13 or, or whatever it was. It was like 14-9, I think, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, but, I mean, it was just it was like, it was like I knew this was going to happen, and sure enough, it did. And hopefully that's something our offense can fix. So, Cool deal. Robert, I think I've held on to you for a bit too long, <laughs> but I do appreciate you. Uh, coming on where can we keep up with you uh in the meantime when we're not enemies this sunday <laughs> yeah man um so i am uh my my main uh gig with niner noise is i'm doing the niner noise podcast every week uh we're going into year four awesome uh with that so uh, we do a weekly show with that try to do maybe two if we can get it to work um i do do some writing for the site as well uh, ninernoise.com you can check that out um, and then my uh, Twitter handle, in case anybody cares, is uh, RS underscore Morrison. So feel free to, to follow and see what I have to say there as well. All right. Robert Morrison, Niner Noise on fansided.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck on Sunday. And at the very least, hopefully, every, hopefully everyone comes out healthy. Yeah, man. Sounds good. As always, want to thank my guest Robert Morrison from Fansided's Niner Noise for helping me preview this ball game between the Bears and the Niners. And and, and it's, you know, it's like I said, it's you know maybe this could be one of those fluke uh, week one games where you where you get a result that you didn't uh, expect. Uh, maybe it's a sign of things to come. You never know uh, if the Bears could go out there and steal one. But if the Forty ers have to win. I would really like for the Bears to go down swinging. I would really like the 49ers to have to earn it. And I would like to feel better about my I would like to feel good about my team after the game uh, on Sunday. It's like we we this is a point that I've kind of beaten to death 
uh, over the offseason and especially in the last few weeks. And talked about it with Lauren uh, last week and again with, with Robert here today that, um, you know, it's like it, instead of being upset and having a bitter taste in my mouth over the wins, I would like to feel good about the losses. You know, instead of being embarrassed and or just completely pissed, I would like to be like, you know what? We saw a lot of really great things. The offense looked good for its first day out, so on and so forth. Would really like to have feelings like that uh, about these um, about these upcoming football games if our beloved can't come out on the right side of them. So that's the kind of progress that I would like to see from this team to be competitive, to be in it, the never say die attitude instead of watching the team kind of give up from time to time and make business decisions with their tackles and things like that. So, okay. So let's wrap this thing up. We've got keys to the game and you know, this isn't an easy segment to do week one. Um, You know, there's not a whole lot that we know, uh, about this team, we're still going to be learning about our, our, our about our players. I mean, hell, I'm still going to be learning numbers when we get to the game on Sunday because you know uh, now that they've made cuts and they've dwindled the roster down to 53, there's going to be guys who switch numbers after the changes uh, were made because I know um, I'm pretty sure Riley Reef got his 71 back or something like that because he's not 78 on the roster, or at least he wasn't when I checked uh, the other day. Um, and there were a few other guys like that, that, you know, you kind of got used to their number in the three games during the preseason. And like, Oh wait, who the hell is this now? And you know, it's actually this guy with his actual number after cuts were made and, you know, all the adjustments and such, uh, were done. So, you know, we're going to be learning these guys and who the hell is number 19 and who is, who's 37 and all that kind of stuff this coming, uh, Sunday, uh, not to mention, you know, Darnell Mooney, this is something I forgot to mention in news and notes, says that he's ready for the uh, for the governor to be taken off of this offense that essentially told uh, told the world that Luke Getze was calling like the five, the same five or six plays over and over uh, during the preseason uh, that, you know, they weren't exactly opening up the playbook uh, during the uh, during the preseason, which is normal for the NFL. Don't want to give away too much, especially a, a year one uh, you know, um, a year one uh, institution with the with with Eberflus and Getze and you know and all those guys not wanting to tip, give away too much of what they're going to be doing uh, when the season starts. So um, keys to the game are pretty simple, you know. And it the uh, number one, it's the hits principle. Uh, you know, play fast, smart, fast, and physical. That's what I've seen uh, Eberflus say in in the the videos that we've seen on on the Bears. Uh, YouTube channel, smart, fast, and physical, you know, know where you're supposed to be so you can get there fast, you know, being physical, the, the hits principle, the hustle, uh, the intensity, the tackling or turnovers, takeaways, uh, and, and uh, you know, in situational football smarts and, and things like that. Um, that's key. Number one, you know, basically just keep doing what you've been doing as far as following and buying into uh, the hits philosophy because we saw it happen in the preseason guys are flying around uh, making tackles on defense forcing turnovers or forcing takeaways as they prefer to uh, call them uh, offense being smart not having stupid penalties that bring 
plays back. I mean, I know it happened a couple of times, but not chronically like it did uh, under Nagy. And how many times were a play that we absolutely had to have? How many times did we make that play only to have it ruined by you know some kind of holding penalty or an illegal formation or, or something uh, like that? So just want to be smart, you know, cut down on the mistakes to be a more disciplined football team. I've seen steps in that direction under Eberflus so far. I've liked what I've seen uh, from that. Uh, you know, and like I said, um, and I said that many times last year, and, and kind of cynically, but it was just like we're not good enough that we can make mistakes. It's it's hard enough to beat our opponent when we're beating ourselves at the same time as well. The 49ers are a good football team. They don't need any help to beat us, <laughs> okay? So these silly mistakes, getting plays called back, uh, you know, making penalties that will extend drives for them, we don't want to have those kinds of things happening in this football game if we want to have a shot to come away uh, with an upset. Key number two, be resilient because there are bound to be mistakes. You got, you got a brand new offense. You got a brand new defense. You got a brand new special teams uh, coordinator. You got a lot of new guys playing together for the first time. There's going to be some miscues, some mistakes. You got to have the amnesia. You got to forget about it. Get on to that next play mentality correct the mistake, do it right the next time, uh, and, and so on. It's, you know, just being resilient and fighting back. How many times, you know, just in the history of, you know, of the Bears, and, and especially under Nagy, how many times did we have a play, like a big play, only to have it call back on a, on a penalty and then have that absolutely murder the drive? Like the drive completely stalled out after the wind was taken out of our sails, losing that 25-yard gain because of a holding penalty or, or something silly uh, like that. I mean, I, I remember how I raved last year uh, in the home Packers game, week number six, when Khalil Herbert ran in a touchdown and it got called back because of a holding penalty. It was a bogus Hogan penalty too, but nonetheless, holding penalty called it back. And instead of folding like we usually did, Three, four plays later, Justin Fields is hitting a wide-open Darnell Mooney in the end zone for a touchdown that got us within, you know, seven points uh, of the, you know, late in the ball game against the, uh, against the Packers. Would like to see more bounce backs like that as opposed to, oh, there's a 30-yard gain. Oh, it's called back because of a penalty. Two plays later, we're punting the ball away. Be resilient. Keep fighting, you know. Forget about the mistakes because, like it or not, there are going to be mistakes. It happens. Nobody plays perfect football games. So just be able to be resilient, bounce back, and uh, have the amnesia that's necessary in a football game. And then finally, the one specific key that I have uh, for this, talked a bit uh, about it a bit with uh, Robert. Um, we got to protect Braxton Jones. You know, obviously, you know, protecting Justin Fields is going to be very important as a whole for the offensive line. But uh, let's not put Braxton Jones out on an island too much with one of the most fierce pass rushers the NFL has to offer in Nick Bosa. You know, let's not do that uh, too much. Let's not do to him what we did to uh, Afidi and 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 Jason Peters, because even the best of the best. Uh, have trouble when they're going up against the best of the best, and you know, like like the with uh, Clowney and and uh, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, last season in, in Justin Fields' uh, debut. Let's give them a little bit of help. Now, logic and reason seems to be prevalent 
uh, with this with this new regime uh, of Eberflus and Getzi and, and company. So I don't. So if I don't th- I don't think that if uh, you know Braxton Jones struggles early, that they're just going to leave him out there and, and make him figure it out. I think that they will. You know, get some get some people over there helping out. You know, give this guy a bump, help him out. Uh, you know, keep the running backs in that kind of thing. Um, I think that they'll go with what's practical over it affecting the offense. They'll, they'll let it affect the offense and figure something else out is the impression that I get from these guys. But I think it's important to, to help him build his confidence. He's starting off his NFL career against one of the best pass rushers we have uh, in the NFL. Let's make sure he doesn't get smoked on every opportunity. Let's protect Braxton Jones so he can protect Justin Fields and we can have a busy day on offense on Sunday. So anyway, guys, that's all I got for our very first Bears preview for 2022. Uh, come on back tomorrow where I'll break down the entire league. I'll talk about all 16 matchups, including this one a little bit more to get you ready for week one of the NFL. See how far into into the game with the uh, Rams and Bills that we are when I get uh, started. Maybe I'll wait till it's over. Who knows? But uh, anyway, guys, be sure to come back tomorrow for the first NFL preview for the Bears Talk Underground. Be sure to hit me up on the social media, BTU underscore Larry on Instagram and on Twitter. And we always have our Facebook group uh, on Facebook. Just search Bears Talk Underground. All right, guys. So come on back tomorrow and then we'll get ready for week one. And until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.